a lot of times he wants you to come up with a message. Uh, so I'm thinking of what the subject matter was, and I asked God this week, I says, what, what's the best topic I could pray about or subject I could pray about? And this is what he spoke loud in my spirit. He says, courage. He said, what my church needs in this hour is courage. Now, God has spoken to me over the past few months and different things like that. It started even before the pandemic uh, that we've all been familiar with. Uh, but he, he's saying that, uh, to for to begin to prepare the church for the coming hour. In other words, this is what, if I was to listen to my commander-in-chief, as my commander-in-chief is Jesus, he's saying, get the church ready. So I can say with the most humble attitude this morning that we need to prepare for Christ and His coming. Uh, it's those that are looking for Him are going, to be, are, are going to be found with Him. If we're not looking for Him, then basically maybe you're not going to be taken with Him, but I don't know. But the fact is, is, is this is what we're doing. So a lot of the messages, uh, I used to before, uh, before we did, uh, uh, three months ago, I was doing series after series, but I noticed God shifted that. I'm not doing as many series now. We're just doing spot messages as I hear the Holy Spirit uh, give these things to me. How many know that uh, if you knew where I came from, if you knew how I started in ministry, you'd probably uh, be by a lot of eyebrows raised. In other words, do you realize that before I was a minister, I didn't think I could ever be a minister? Now, I was a Christian. I loved Christ. I was spirit-filled and, and all that. And I support anybody that wanted to do it. I supported ministries. I love it. I, I'd be anybody's right-hand man. But as far as pioneering a work, going to a place, let alone going to uh, uh, countries in the world, if you had told me that years ago, I would have said, no, that can't be me. So I had a problem. The problem was this. I could speak to people one-on-one, -on -one, but if you get a group of people together, it didn't have to be a very big group, I'd get tongue-tied, I'd start stuttering. I really didn't have the capacity for speech. And I thought, well, if you're going to be a preacher, you need to have the capacity to be able to talk. Uh, what, you, what they used to say in the old days, you have to have a gift to gab. You know, I, I, I thought like a used car salesman or something like that. You know, you just talk, 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 talk. talk. That was not me. Uh, I was, I don't know, I was about three years old or four years old. My mother tells me this. But they didn't know I could talk. Until she, my mother heard me out in the backyard talking to myself. Well, this is what she thinks I was talking to myself. Uh, but I, so even as a child, I just I was quiet. I never said anything. I was the last person. I want you to understand this. I was the last person you'd ever expect to preach the gospel anywhere, let alone come in Key West and pioneer work. Come on, this is one of the toughest towns in the state of Florida, hands down. I've had other ministers tell me the same thing, to start a ministry here, to work in a ministry here, and we've been here 30 years. So it's, so it's phenomenal. Uh, the, I want to talk about, the title of my message this morning is Courage in Comparisons. The wrong comparisons is destroying your courage that God has given you. Can I say that right off? I'll get into the scriptures. I'll give you enough scripture to take home to study this subject. But you need courage. You need. Uh, last Sunday I talked about encouragement. Encouragement is when you put on courage. Discouragement is when you cast courage off. How many have ever been discouraged? Then all of a sudden somebody comes along and says something and you, all of a sudden you become encouraged. Right? Or you look at somebody who you doesn't think is, is gifted and talented, but yet they're accomplishing things that you wish you could accomplish. You say, well, if they can do it, I can do it. All of a sudden I'm encouraged. 
Okay? Uh, so basically, courage is something that we need to all have. This is what the Lord is saying. The church is sitting home, and the church is sitting in places, and they're wondering what is the message of hope. They're looking at pandemics. Just this week alone in Seattle, uh, Washington, to see it was on, on the news, that it's under siege. It's under siege by, by uh, uh, anarchists. Uh, when, did, when was the last time you heard that? Now, I, I grew up in the 60s. We had riots and the race riots back then and different situations back then. This is like a whole other level of things that are going up. So I'm not getting into the political thing. When we see the, the, the social unrest that we're seeing today, you've got to, as Christians, you've got to see the devil's behind this garbage. Amen. You've got to see this. And he's taking his one last ditch effort. The Bible says that where evil abounds, so much more God's grace, which is an empowerment, will also abound. So I'm calling on all the churches. I'm calling on all Christians. Let's increase in empowerment. I'm going to give you the message this morning uh, that will help you with that. But we need to increase the empowerment of God. Let the grace of God rise up and, 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 and encourage and, and assemble the church. This is, a, this is a, a, a time of cry for the church. Who else has love for other people that, that aren't lovable? The church. Who else has the gifting and the message of hope that people are so discouraged about this? The church. The church has all the equipment that we need that, that, that seems to be, uh, we seem to have the cure for an ailing society. So unless we can get that message out, unless we can be on the church. Now, cer certainly people are going to mock, they're going to scoff. They did in Jesus' day. They, they doubted Jesus when he walked amongst them. So are they going to doubt his church? Absolutely. But you see, the understanding is God is putting an anointing on his people that will speak forth in this time and hour and have a boldness. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise so in God's kingdom, I'll say this right out, in God's kingdom, there is no prejudice. Amen. Matter of fact, the Bible says the opposite. Uh, if you should not think more highly of yourself than you ought. So to look down on somebody else means that you're thinking of yourself much more higher and you're already unbiblical from the start. Praise the Lord. Well, anyway, let me get into my message this morning. I want to talk about Joshua. I remember Joshua. I love this guy. Man, I didn't ever even knew him. He lived in the time of Moses, but I love this guy. So when I'm talking about courage in comparisons, Joshua is the one that comes to mind for encouragement. God had to keep telling him and telling him. I counted in the Bible from Deuteronomy chapter 31 to Joshua 1.1. I counted seven times. Seven times God had to tell Joshua, be strong and of good courage. This is a man. Let me give you Joshua's background. This is a man who took on the enemy while Moses stood on the mountaintop holding up his hands. As long as Moses held up his arms like this, Joshua would win and prevail over the battle. But as he got tired and his hands began to come down, Joshua began to lose the battle. What was God saying to us as a church in that thing? You're not going to do it by yourself. It's going to take an involvement of leadership, church leadership, and it's going to take an involvement of those that are willing to go on the front lines in battle. It's going to take those things together, but it's going to take a coordination of both things. The pastors, not going to, pastors aren't going to be able to do it all. Church leaders aren't going to be able to do it all. What happens is we can hold up our arms and we can pray the battle be won. I love Joshua. So, so Joshua, how many know that Joshua is thankful for a man that wasn't afraid to lift up his hands and praise the Lord? Amen. Especially in his leader. How many know Joshua was extremely thankful when he did that? 
And he did that at the opportune right time. How many would agree that Joshua was super thankful when he did that because that means he was winning? However, if Moses got tired, Aaron and her saw what was going on. So one, each man grabbed one of his arms and held it up. No, no, keep your arms up. Keep. How many know Joshua was very thankful for those men that would support Moses' arms? This isn't even my message, but I thought it was a pretty good message in there, isn't it? It took an involvement of all of God's anointings put together for that battle to be won. Joshua didn't win it by himself, but he saw what was happening. When Moses went up to talk to God on a mountain, he put Joshua in charge of security. And he said the bottom mountain, nobody could approach that that the, the bottom of that mountain, so they couldn't approach the mountain. So this is what, what went on. Joshua was quite a fellow. He was quite, a, uh, he, he was, he was quite uh, established in the fact of warfare. He wasn't a stranger to it. But the fact is, this major warrior, this old-time veteran of, of Moses, had to be told over and over again by God himself, be strong, be of good courage. It goes on to say in Joshua 1.6, he goes on to say, For unto this people shall thou divide an inheritance of the land which I have sworn to your fathers. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're not going into battle? He says, be of good courage. But he says, because here's where you're going to need the courage. You're going to need the courage in dealing out the land of the promise to each tribe. Why? Because you know as well as I do, somebody's going to complain about what the other one got. Huh? So this is where we need to courage. In other words, Joshua, number one off the bat, you're going to need courage in dealing with the people. You're not gonna, forget the enemy. The enemy's done. Forget the devil. He's not your problem. If you're walking in the authority of Christ, Christ has already defeated him. You're defeating yourself, if I may say it that way. Are you here? You're just, I, I, I mentioned prayer earlier. So what type of prayer are we using? Are we using the prayer of agreement so we can see the results we need? Or are we staying isolated by ourselves? Joshua knew if he isolated himself, he would lose the next battle, and nor would he, have the, nor would he need the courage that God was about to give him for the next task he was supposed to do. Are you here this morning? So praise the Lord. So he tells him, he says, be of good courage. The word courage in the Hebrew from this particular verse, it says to be alert, physically or mentally, steadfast, minded, strong, established, fortified, hardened, increase, prevail, strengthen self, and make strong. Boy, the Hebrew is pretty, pretty convincing. So how many could say, if I've got courage, I can be alert physically or mentally? Steadfast-minded. I'm not going to be swayed back and forth by what I see or what other people are trying to convince me of. I'm going to stick to the Word. I'm going to be single-minded in that, and I'm going to get my encouragement from God. Amen? If you've ever played a sports, I mean, some coach can pat you on the back and encourage you to do better, and, and, and you'll be the star that you have a legend in your own mind. <laughs> but the fact is, 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 is there's, that's different from somebody encouraging you and actually going out and doing it. See, God empowers me to do what he's called me to do. I told you about my problem. I could never think of myself ever being a pastor. In any, any Matter of fact, I was an elder in a church uh, back up in Deerfield Beach, Florida. And I used to feel sorry for my pastor, what he used to have to go through. Not what he had to go through from the devil. Oh, no, 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 no. The devil never bothered him. What other people, so-called church people, 
what he has to, used to have to go through. And I said, I said it back then. I was a youth pastor back then. I said, youth were, were another, another story, but they were sim, simpler than, uh, than their parents. <laughs> but I said, I said, man, I said, I thought to myself, I, I never said it out loud, but I thought to myself, I'd never want that man's job. Man, I work construction from the day to now to the day I die. I'd never want that man's job. Careful, because there, I have a list of Bible uh, uh, people that have uh, patriarchs that have said the same thing and gone on to do things they couldn't think they could do. Are you here this morning? Okay, but it took the courage of God. He said then uh, Joshua 1.9, he goes on. He says, I com- have I not commanded thee? This is an interesting th- statement. I'm not asking you to be encouraged. I'm not saying, come on, find your niche here. And do you think? No, no. God is saying, I'm commanding you. This is a commandment. This is your commandment. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid and be dismayed. I saw that in there. Be not afraid. In other words, God is saying fear is a choice. Because if he's telling you something you cannot get rid of, then he's an unfair God. He's saying something you have control over. He's saying control it. Be not dismayed. I'm commanding you this day to, be, to have courage. I'm commanding you this day. Be not dismayed. That means to be discouraged. Okay? He says, have I not commanded these things? Have I not commanded you? If he's commanding it, we can command fear by the authority and the power of God. Get out of my life. But if you're going to sit there and your Bible is going to be the 5 o'clock news or 11 o'clock news, and you're going to listen to all the fake news that goes on, I am serious. You know, most of the news stations are owned by three or four different corporations. And they're preaching their narrative. They're not giving you a report of news like they used to do years ago. No, 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 they're preaching their narrative. And what happens is they're breeding fear on purpose because people make foolish mistakes and foolish decisions when they're afraid. First thing, when I was going through, through uh, my diver training, I, I got several certifications. I was on a dive boat the other day. We're all counting up, comparing how many certifications we got, you know, certification card. Anyway, but I can remember this. They, they, they drilled, when I was, I was going through my rescue training to become a rescue diver, I was going through my training, and they were saying, listen, the number one problem is not equipment. It's not a person overstaying their depth because all that stuff is curable underwater. The number one problem that you have with divers is panic. And they trained us how to look at a person and could see if it was active panic or passive panic. I didn't know there was panic. Panic is panic. Ah! That's panic. And the person will throw off their mask and they'll throw everything, their life support system that they're breathing from, they'll spit it out of their mouth and they'll ultimately drown when there's nothing wrong with the equipment because of panic. Panic is what? Fear meditated on. Worry is fear meditating on the wrong things. Why do you, how many ever, don't raise your hand, but how many ever had worry? Worry, concern, I'm going to pay this, but I'm going to do with that. And all of a sudden you run a scenario in your mind that hasn't happened yet. You're prophesying your own end and it hasn't happened. But you're not prophesying according to good things that God is telling you. You're prophesying according to evil. Because the things that you're thinking about are evil. Evil disasters coming against you. How many know what I'm talking about? All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to the right crowd this morning. Amen. So this is, this, is, this is what we understand. And he goes on to tell Josh, I'll tell you seven times. Why would he take a warrior? 
We're talking about a seasoned veteran who has been through battle campaign after battle campaign with Moses. Moses is general. His right-hand man is when it came to fighting. Moses would pray. Joshua would go out and fight. Moses would listen to God and talk to God, pick up his rod and do something with it. But Joshua did the battle. He put sword to flesh. And he went out battle after battle after battle. When Moses was taken up to, to be with the Lord, Joshua was left in charge by Moses to go now take the people into the promised land. What did he do in the promised land? He fought and he fought and he fought and he fought. So we got a seasoned veteran here where God has to tell him seven times, be of good courage, be of good courage, be of good courage. I guess he listened because he had a very successful campaign and he got the people into the promised land. He dealt out to land. Caleb's the one, I'd like the story because Caleb's the one, he's the old guy. He was the one that him and, him and Joshua, the only two agreed with the rest, uh, against the other uh, 10 uh, tribes. Should we go and take, oh no, there's giants. And so you know the whole story. Caleb finally gets to the promised land. He goes to Joshua. He said, haven't I served Moses well? He said, I serve you well. He says, even now, he said, my eyes have not failed me. He says, he says what's there about me? He says, give me my own portion of land. And he says, which do you want? What, what? He said, I want that mountain right there. And he pondered on a mountain. Who sat on the top of that mountain was Arba, the giant of giants. In other words, give me the toughest strongholds you got, and I will claim it to be mine. Amen. And Caleb did. He took it on. He didn't look at himself in his old age and say, well, I'm washed up. You know, I've had a good campaign, but I'm over it. Now. No, not at all. He wasn't looking for retirement. He was looking for refirement. He was looking for something. Okay, I fought this far. Now let's claim it. Amen? How many are listening to this so far? Praise the Lord. Seven times, be a good cheer. Matter of fact, one of those seven times, he says, he says, he says, uh, be of good, good courage. And he said, he says, haven't I commanded you? He said, be, a good, be, a, be strong and be of very, he put that word very in there. Okay, uh, so, so God was, was, wasn't missing words with, with Joshua. He says, this is what I've commanded you to be. He didn't ask Joshua, do you think you can do this? How I many know God never asked that? Do you think you can do this? What about you? How many times have you asked God, do you think I can do this? The question. Or, or God come to you and say, I don't know. Trent, do you think you can do this? Huh? How many times we think, I don't know. Or probably say, I don't think I can. Matter of fact, I have a list here of just ones I thought off the top of my head. I jotted them down on my notes. Of people that didn't think they could. Abraham didn't think he could ever be a father. Sarah didn't think she could ever bear children because of her age. Moses didn't think he could speak to Pharaoh. And I noticed one thing, that Aaron never stepped in. He, he, you couldn't shut Moses up once he got started. But he said, I, I can't do this. I didn't, he didn't think it could. Gideon didn't think that he could be a leader. Are you kidding me? With 300 men, he wiped out armies of the enemy. Yes, mm, but he didn't think he could be a leader. Jeremiah didn't think he could be a prophet. Isaiah didn't think he could prophesy. Zacharias didn't think he could be a father of John the Baptist because he was too old. And his wife was too old, Elizabeth too. Joseph didn't think he could marry Mary because she got pregnant before they got married. And then the angel had to appear to him and say, listen, this isn't of man, this is of the Holy Ghost. 
She's still a virgin. But he didn't think he didn't think that was possible. He didn't think he could until the angel had to speak to him in a dream. Amen. Peter told Jesus uh, not to go to the cross. Peter didn't think it was possible for Jesus to go to the cross and to have intact the ministry that they had. Well, he was part right. It was going to be a whole lot better. Amen. Amen. But Peter didn't think that Jesus should go to the cross. And the Jews didn't think that Gentiles could have the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that conversation? I like when God picked Peter for that. Oh, Peter was a candidate. Remember, he's sitting on the top of the roof, and all of a sudden God lowers a sheet to Peter, and it's got all these unclean animals in it. And he says, rise up, take and eat. And Peter says, I never eat those things. Those are unclean. I follow the law. And he says, what I have made clean, he said, uh, you do not call unclean. And what he was saying, he wasn't saying about a meal. He was saying, go to Cornelius' house. Cornelius was a, 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 he was a centurion. That's a, a ruler of 100 men, uh, according to the Roman Empire. So he was, but he was a good man because he was giving charity to the Jews in, 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 in uh, Caesarea. So he says, go to him. And he's asking, so Peter packs up his guys. He walks about 15 miles from where he was in, in, in around Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv to, 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 to Caesarea. He gets there and he starts preaching about the Holy Spirit to, to uh, Cornelius. And Cornelius, all of a sudden, him and his whole household begin to break forth in speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 10, look it up. It's a cool story. And Peter puffs himself up a little bit, and he turns to the circumcision, as the Bible says, that's to the other Jews that came with him, and says, now, can you deny water baptism? Seeing that these men have the Holy, how do they see the Holy Holy Spirit? They're speaking in tongues. He said, seeing that these men have received the Holy Spirit, now can you forbid them? Evidently, they have been forbidden them because they were Gentiles. Can you now forbid them water baptism? And they sat there, and it was a shock. It was the first account in the Bible that a Gentile received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he was a Roman centurion. And not only him, but his entire household. That Roman centurion sat down and prayed, God, please send me somebody. Send me somebody to minister your spirit, minister your word. Please, God, send somebody. God heard that prayer, and he said, I got just a a Jew to send to you. The one that won't eat nothing unclean. The one who thinks he's got all the answers to everybody's problem. The one that denied me three times, but we got him back on the right track. He's the candidate. He's the candidate. The one, the one Jew out of all of them didn't think I should go to the cross. I'm going to send him. And what did he do? The least likely man of all the disciples, the least likely to bring this message was Peter. And that's who God chose. Amen? I wonder what potential that we, we're holding up and we're, 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 we're lacking. I started reading some other accounts. I wanted to get some more information. That was good. How many know what I just gave you was good? But there's more. Because what happens is I wanted to get to the problem. What is short-circuiting your courage? Can I get to that this morning? How would you like to know what is short-circuiting your courage? You don't have to answer. You don't, this is not a, a test. You don't have to give me your answers. But just listen to what I have to say. I can, I'm a pretty good expert on human beings. You know why? Because I am one. I'm a pretty good expert on marriage. You know why? Because I have a successful one. So I, just claim, I self-proclaim expert because I've been there for a long time. 
<laughs> the older I get, the more expert I become. Hallelujah. I looked at this. 2 Corinthians, if you want to turn your Bible there. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. I'm going to read to you what Paul has said about something. This is going to be the root of your problem. Well, some of you anyway, maybe you don't have this problem, but if it is, just, just receive it as the Holy Spirit gives it to you this morning. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, I'm going to read out of the old, good old King James Bible. Amen? The Bible that Paul used. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, it says this, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with the some that commend themselves but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves amongst themselves are not wise. Is that up on the screen? See, you don't even have to turn your Bible anymore. They just put it up there for you. Is not wise. Comparisons. This is where I get my title from. Courage and comparisons. Wrong comparisons are stripping you from your courage. How many have any kind of social media? Raise your hand if you've got social media. Facebook, Instagram. Snapchat, whatever the, 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 the new, new one is out there, you got social media. How many ever see on the social media anybody's opinion? Every, every time you look at it, Jim says, every time you look at it, somebody's opinion is on there. How many know that when they put their picture out there, they put their little story out there, or God forbid, God forbid you should ever put your political opinion out there. Oh, you set yourself up... Or, or, or God forbid again, is you should tell somebody that you're a Christian on that thing. You will have a bombardment of opinions. Amen? Are you listening to me? And what happens is in some people's circles, I don't hope it's not yours, in some people's circles, those opinions are taken to heart. And those opinions that are out there are somebody else's can hurt you, hurt your feelings, and cause you to pull stuff down from your Facebook and no longer take that stand. Matter of fact, we've even seen some cases where teenagers had committed suicide because some girl on a social media told them, you don't have nothing to live for, you might as well just go out and kill yourself, and they go out and kill themselves. Now there's new laws that, that basically convicts that person from social media, uh, or, or what do they call that, uh, cyberbullying. Uh, you know, bullying, bullying, pushing people around. So don't tell me that people aren't concerned about what other people think. And this is what Paul is saying. When it comes to God, you better not be concerned with what other people think. You better be concerned with what God is, is talking about you and, th and, and think about you. I'll read it again. For we dare not make ourselves the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. I can speak to every preacher that would listen to this message. You tell me it doesn't bother you that the church next door has more members than your church does. As as membership or sh people showing up determines your call or purpose in life. Now, only God determines that. Amen. Amen? Or maybe you don't have as many people as the guy next door because he's pandering to people and you won't. Maybe you've kept your integrity. And you preach the truth and you preach the gospel of love as you're commanded to. And you're not just going on with the next new fad. I got news for you. In our country right now, churches on average are decreasing in membership. Except for a few pockets throughout the nation, you see the opposite happening. But only a few pockets. It is more the exception than it is the rule. I'm sad to say. Amen. 
But I, I've, I've dealt with ministers for years. I, I'm one myself. And I, I can be honest with all, everybody. It is, it, is a, it is kind of a setback when you come out into the sanctuary and the sanctuary is empty or near empty. And you're sitting there. I noticed during the pandemic, boy, they, I, that pandemic emptied out churches faster than anything. And, it, and, it shut, shut and so now we're, we're speaking to cameras instead of peaking, speaking to real people. And I noticed some of these guys that are used to the, I mean, talk about the stadium-filled uh, 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 churches uh, numbers. They're almost, they don't know what to do with themselves because they're speaking, but nobody's speaking back. All the great amens and the praise you, all, and, and all the agreement is no longer there, and they're standing on their own. So don't tell me that opinions of other people don't affect us. They do affect us. And basically what happens, if you meditate on the opinions of the wrong opinions of people, you can even look at yourself in a new light and get a wrong self-image of yourself. And when you have a wrong self-image of yourself, see, how many know the Bible tells us to love one another as Jesus loved us, love one another? Do you know why that's so hard? You know why it's so hard to love other people that aren't so loving? Because you don't love yourself. You have to first love yourself to understand what love is to love somebody else. A lot of your hang-ups, I'm not, this is not psych, psycho one, you know, psychology 101 by no means at all, and I'm not qualified to teach that course. But the fact is, you can see this. If you had a different self-image, doesn't your appearance change? Doesn't your facial expressions change when you've got a good self-image? Did you ever see somebody with a lot of confidence? Maybe you were a teenager and somebody, you know, and, and somebody had a lot of confidence at a young age, and boy, you looked up to them, they become an instant leader because everybody else is, is knocking themselves down. So it's opinions, other opinions. Paul said when it comes to ministry, it better not be. He said they're not wise. So basically, if I'm, if I'm looking at this ministry, for say, and I'm looking at the one down the street, and they look a little more successful, and we have, even have ministers that are writing books on, how to, on your church growth. And, and basically what it is, is how to pander to the audience. So they want to come out and listen to what you have to say. And of course, we all know that's good because the more people that come out and listen to what we say, the, 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 the more we get the message out. Shoot, anymore? We don't even have to have anybody show up to the church. I can preach to the world on any given Sunday morning without anybody being there. So that's not the excuse anymore. But how many are willing to compromise, compromise what God has told them to do because they don't want to be that bold? Are you here? I was, when I first got into the ministry course with my with the church I went to, I had to get my degree first and all this other stuff before I could even be ordained to be sent out. I shared with my leadership this morning what it was like back in the old days. And back, this was back when I started the church, it was a year after the Jim Baker, Jimmy Swaggart thing. So everybody was skeptical of anybody that didn't have a name. So we started out that way. I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't know what you think of me or whatever. You, or some that know me or some that don't know me. Nothing in my life has ever come easy. Nothing. I'm saying nothing. When I went to school, it seemed like I got to study harder, work harder to make the same grades as somebody says you breeze through. Are you here? And, 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 and everything, uh, to start a church, uh, everything was difficult for me. Uh, there was never money, money, money people. And, and, and I'm struggling with the call of God. How many ever struggled with that, with that call of God? And this is the thing. What happened? How, how come this? How come it's so easy for an... Do you know, I, I was sent out with about five other ministers sent out from the same church. We were all sent out around the same time. One was a missionary, went to Honduras, and, and other ones uh, were around the same area starting churches. 
and everybody looked like they were doing better than me. And you know what I found out? I found out I was in the wrong town. Do you know every one of those ministers to this day, I'm not mentioning any names, so I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm careful that way, uh, but every one of those ministers is no longer in the ministry, and I'm still preaching the gospel. Which leads me to another story. How many have ever heard of this? In 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 19, Ahimaaz and Cushai. Well, actually, Cushai, it says in the, in the King James Bible, but the word is, a, he was a, um, a, a Cushite. The newer translations say Cushite. Cushite isn't his name. Cushite is where he comes from. This man was an Ethiopian. And it goes back to the story of David. How remember David had a son called Absalom? Amen. This is a good, you need to listen to this because this will help you. This helped me in ministry. I heard this years and years ago. I've heard very few preachers preach this message, what I'm about to tell you right now. I don't know why. It's just never been a popular thing for them to preach on. But let me share this with you. Ahimaaz and Cushai, or the Cushite, were runners. Back in the day, in the ancient days, a runner would run from one place, bringing messages forth. His main focus, his main talent was he could track. He was a runner. So Ahimaaz was a star. This man was a Jew. He was his, his father. I mean, they got, you know, they got, so, so uh, at the time, uh, uh, Absalom, which was David's son, rose up against David and divided the kingdom. And the kingdom of Israel was at war with each other. Okay, because of, uh, uh, because of Absalom. Uh, Absalom needed to die, but David didn't have the heart to, 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 to take him out. So, but, but, uh, uh, but Joash was his general, and Joash was leading the battle while David was still in the temple. Well, what happened was, if you know the story of, what did I just say? Uh, Absalom. <laughs> Jewish names. Absalom, what happened, he hung himself in a law tree. He had long flowing hair and he was fleeing, fleeing uh, uh, Joash's men he hung, and he hung himself in the tree. His hair got tangled up in the tree and there he hangs there. While he was hanging there, Joash's men just ran him through. Said, we're getting rid of this joker right now. And they're looking at this guy. This guy here was David's son and he caused more deaths of David's army than anybody else. And it was, it was their own people. So get back to Hamas and, and Cushai. Hamas says, let me take the message to the king that we have won the battle and that this, the civil war, as you said, is over with and, 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 dead, and David's enemies are dead and we've got the nation back. And Joash says to him, he says, you're not going to run, but I'm giving it to the Cushite. Giving the message to the Cushite. So you have no purpose here today. We're not using you for a runner. You're done. You don't, and, and he says, well, let me run anyway. Uh, let us both run. He said, he said, why would you run? Listen to what Joash says. Why would you run when you have no message? You got that? Why would you run and you have no message? He says, no. You're sitting out and Cushite is going to run. Cushite uh, comes from the term Cush. Uh, uh, the country of Cush was, how many remember uh, Noah had three sons? Okay, you had Japheth, you had Shem, and you had Ham. Ham was the leader of, basically, Ham's son was named Cush, which basically, if you look at a Middle East map, you look at Israel in the middle, uh, the, the, the southern part of Israel starts in the northern part of Africa, which is Ethiopia. So the Cushite was African. 
and he says he's going to run. Well, Ahimaaz wasn't going to put up with this. He wasn't going to let no Cushite take his place. He was going to run. Evidently, maybe he thought that the Cushite was, um, was not worthy of this high honor to go to the king. Regardless, so Cushite takes off. Joash brings him. He says, go tell the king that his son is dead. He says, and go tell him that news. Why was, here's another reason. Why was the Cushite more apt to be sent than Ahimaaz? Because Ahimaaz didn't see Absalom get killed. The Cushite did. Are you, are you following me so far? Basically, both of them had the ability to run. Matter of fact, one was faster than the other. Because the Bible tells us that Ahimaaz took off anyway without Joash's orders, without any, any call or purpose, without any message. He took off running and he overtook the Cushite. He outran him. So here's David back in the palace. All of a sudden, the watchman on, on, the, on the gate says, there's a runner coming. Here's a messenger. David said, open the gate. Let him through. He's got message. He's got information on the battle. He runs in. He comes before the king. And there's a high Maz. He said he beat out. He goes to high Maz. And a high Maz is about to give, uh, give his, his story. He says, the king, the, the enemy is gone. You're done well this day. And he tried to jump ahead of what uh, the Cushite was going to bring. All of a sudden, the, the watchman says, no, there's another runner coming. There's another message. Open the gate. Let him in. He's got a message from the battlefield. So David tells Ahimaaz, stand over there. Cushite comes in and he sits there. He says, he says, David, he says, your enemies have been destroyed. And David says, and my son Absalom? He says, he said, king, he says, your son Absalom is a wish all your enemies were as him. In other words, it was a nice way of saying, I wish all your enemies were dead, and your son is dead. David goes into extreme mourning. What was the difference? One had the message that was sent out, was slower, but he was still sent out. We have this today. People want to run. They want to do things without the message and without the purpose. But when you find the purpose of God, now you can find the courage that he's put with that purpose. Now, Cushai could have come in there and said, Cushai could have said, oh, I see Ahimaaz has already beat me to it. He's already given you information. No, he hasn't. No, Ahimaaz didn't have the information. He didn't have the room. How many preachers today are running without a purpose or a message? How many will have the message right from the source? And another thing, how many have seen? I'm not just talking about preachers. This is anybody. How many want to run just a say something or just a talk, but have never seen or been experienced in what the Cushite has. Amen? Amen? Amen. We got a bunch of high mazes today that are running around saying a lot of stuff, okay? But they don't have the message from God. Amen? Amen. I'll trade anything for the message of God over, what, over somebody faking it. Amen? Yes, sir. What did Paul say? Beware of those that, condemn, that uh, commend themselves amongst themselves. In other words, they compare themselves with each other. Be careful of comparisons. Why did Ahamaz take that, take that initiative? Because he thought he was better. He was a faster runner. He proved that he was a faster runner. So why isn't he the man? It isn't the fastest that got there the quickest. 
was not, it was not the object of the day. It's who had the message from the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you something. Who has a message from God is the preachers you want to be listening to. Who have the message for this hour and the day we live in, that's who you want to be tuning your ear to. There's lots of voices out there. Paul said that. There's all kinds of spirits. There's all kinds of voices that are mouthing everything. But there's a truth that's coming out. It's the Cushites that are coming forth today. Are you here? And the Cushites are the ones that are coming across. When I started out as a pastor, I didn't think I could be a pastor. I didn't think I could be a father. Uh, but, I was, but at 19 years old, I was one. Or 20 years old, I was one. By 23, I was a father too. I didn't think I could be a father. I didn't think I could be a proper husband to my wife, Diane. Though I tried and worked hard and did everything we could to be a husband, we've been married 49 years, never been married to anybody else. I didn't think I could. I guess God knew better. I didn't think I could be a preacher, and I never thought I could go to the nations, but I have, and we've done these things. I never thought God could use me to, to, to pick up a little, uh, uh, or have a, a parents uh, in Ghana hand me, in Accra, Ghana hand me a baby who was burning up with fever, and before my very eyes, that fever just disappeared as that baby was laid in my hands to pray for that baby. I never thought God could use me that way. I never thought I could pray for the woman uh, in, 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 in Mein Kampf in Ghana, and, and all of a sudden she was bent over. She'd been bent over her for years and lay hands on her, and she could straighten out her back and got healing. I never thought God could use a guy like me for that. I didn't think a lot of things that God, that God knew beforehand. But, he, but the thing is, what was the difference? What's the difference between me and, and, and maybe somebody who had the potential to be great pastors? I tapped into the potential they didn't. What's the difference between you and somebody else? Is maybe somebody else tapped into the potential of God's purpose. Maybe you're still waiting. Maybe you're still waiting for clarification on that purpose. Maybe, maybe not. Can I say, can I encourage you as your pastor? Find it quickly. Find it quickly. We want, here's what we did. You can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I don't think I am. Don't we wait for all our ducks to be in the row? Before we step out in anything? Come on, you hear me. Come on. Let me hear an amen. amen. Notice, before I'm going to claim prosperity, I'm going to have a lot of money in the bank. Right? Before I'm going to step out and do it, and I don't know, just this, maybe, maybe this is the devil. Oh, sure, the devil's calling people into the gospel ministry every day. I'm being facetious. He is not. He's quite the opposite. He's trying to discourage people, keep them out from preaching the gospel. The last thing the devil wants is people to preach Christ. That's the last thing he needs. The devil's got a headache as it is. You ever figure out how busy he is? I mean, he's got to deal with them people in Seattle. Better yet, he's got to deal with them people in Washington, D.C. Praise the Lord. With the old sinners, they take a knee for a purpose, then they've got to be helped up because they're too old and crickety to get back up on their own. Oh, yeah, good testimony. Now, the devil's bothered all this stuff. He's in the Middle East. He's trying to... So I figured this, that was a good time to hit him. That was a good time to hit him. If you feel like you're outnumbered by the world, you figured right. Because Christianity will probably always be outnumbered by the world. Jesus took 12 men, 12 men, and he turned the world upside down. And we're still talking about what those 12 men did. And we're still talking about what those 12 men, and we're still extracting the wisdom, every drop of wisdom out of that message that they have given us. He took a man like Paul, knocked him off his horse, made him blind. 
couldn't see. Until a man by Ananias came over and laid hands on him, and, and Paul, Paul was called to the ministry. Knocked off his horse, blinded. What was the blinding about? Because Paul needed to see what was there. He couldn't see. He was blinded in the natural, or in the spiritual. Now I'll make you blinded in the natural. He said, I'll return your sight in the natural. So in the same time, I'll give you sight in the spiritual, is what the Lord was trying to tell him. Amen. It's not what we think. It's what God has called us to. Amen. It's not what about the opinions that we have from other people. Let me tell you something. If a person that you look up highly to was to tell you this way, give up Christ, you're wasting your time, there's no such thing, why are you bothering going to church for, doesn't do you any good anyway, you can listen to that or you can listen to what God says. Amen? Amen. I'll bless them that follow my commandments and are righteous before me. That's what God says in his word. So which one are you going to believe? Because we're all given a choice. Amen? Cushai and Hosmos both can run. They were both runners. They were trained in running, but only one had the message. Amen. I want to follow the guy with the message. Amen? Listen to this. Psalms 84, 11 and through 12. Write this down. Mark this psalm. This is the, this is the scripture for today. Are you ready for this? I'm going, to, I'm going to close with this. Does that make you happier? Well, understand this. I get three closings. It's the American way. Praise the Lord. Psalms 84, 11 says this. For the Lord, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give me grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. No good thing will be withheld. I'm going to read that again. No good thing will be withheld from those that walk uprightly. And verse 12, O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusts in you. Blessed is the man that trusts in you. And the church said, Amen. oh, come on. Amen. I can get that anywhere. Come on. And the church said, Amen. this Holy Ghost inspired, fired up message, and the church said, Amen. and the church said it again. Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand to your feet. Look alive. Hallelujah. So the, dead, the devil doesn't think you're dead. What's there, there's an old Irish saying. What is that old Irish saying? It says, oh, yeah. May the road come up to meet your feet on the way, and may the, uh, there's a whole long thing, I only know the two parts, so my grandmother used to say it, but she used to say this, and may, the, may, may you uh, be dead 40 days before the devil knows you're gone, <laughs> or something like that, and basically, so praise the Lord, well, no, we're not sleep, sneaking out on the devil, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go against the Irish Proverbs, we're going to take it on head on. How many need courage or encouragement this morning? Let's get rid of the discouragement. There's only one thing stopping it. God has poured it out. He's given everything to you that pertains to life and godliness. Your choice. What are you going to do this morning? It's your choice. Praise the Lord. I'll speak to the people on the camera. Your choice this morning. What are you going to do? Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen? So how are you going to choose? Choose you this day. What, what did Joshua say? Choose you this day in which Lord you're going to serve. You know what he was doing when he said that? He was standing on the ground that God has given him because he said this. You can serve the one true God or you can serve the God of the land who you are standing on. In other words, you can be a part of what the world is doing or you can serve God this day. It's your choice. You choose. But he goes on to say, he says, as far as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. 
I have that scripture over top of my closet. I can't even walk in my closet to put on my suit in the morning and to straighten my tie in the morning without seeing As for me and my house, we're going to serve God. We're going to serve God this morning. We're going to serve God, and we're going to continue. 33 years I've been saying this, we're going to serve God. My wife is always in church with me. She serves God with me. Why? Because I'm a good priest over 